Welcome to On the Flip Side, a podcast where two 30-something entrepreneurs dissect all things, not seven habits, all things burnout. We are back and ready for round two. And Lindsay, I hope as my producer, you have uh, Rocky's uh, bells of getting started on this. Dun, 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 dun. How are you looking? <laughs> I was more so thinking, ding, ding. <laughs> oh, I think I went Space Jam. <laughs> That's better. Y'all ready that for this? <laughs> well, well, welcome back, y'all. Uh, Amanda, I got to say, I have missed this. And frankly, as much as I love seven habits of highly effective people, I think Emily Nagosi and Amelia Nagosi's burnout is even more applicable to my day-to-day life. Like, I just think that this is a book that was written for me, for you, for every woman who feels like they're doing everything and at the same time is not doing enough. It's a pretty powerful read. Yeah. This is a really fucking important book. And like the reason we're doing this is because everybody needs to read this book. Every woman I've recommended it to has said that they breezed through it, but that it was like pretty much life-changing. Um, my, my goddaughter who is in her senior year of college, um, or going into her senior year literally was like, Oh, this book is therapy. And I think it says a lot that a 21 year old gets it as much as a 31 year old. Right. Yeah. I even, um, the other day I was talking to, um, my group of fellow Spoonies and Mm. talking about how to complete the stress cycle. Mm. And I, I just gave him a high level. Right. But it was so profound. And then I actually recommended the book and several of them were like, yeah, maybe I should look into that. And it's not necessarily that they have burnout in the typical sense, uh, from working too much and, um, you know, trying to do all the things, but in a very real vein, they have burnout more than probably most people. And that would be burnout from existence, right? From their body trying to kill them all the time. Yeah. And that's the ultimate, most personal form of burnout that you can feel. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that also gets into sort of like the experience of being a woman, like, Let's be clear for, I don't know, five days every month, I have to still run meetings and do webinars and host events and be moderately pleasant. Uh, (laughs) And I feel like I have gremlins trying to scratch their way out of my uterus. Like as a woman, we are fundamentally wired to be in pain more frequently than most other folks. And I'm not going to say men because, because that's not even a fair statement. It's women are wired to do this. And then you put on top of that sort of the culture we live in. This is understanding that there's ways to combat feeling awful all the time is like, one of the most important things we can do. Yeah. And and we're not trained how to do it. It's just a push through, do it, just do it. You know, Bring I mean, it's, it. there's this, con- <laughs> yeah, there's this constant, you do what you have to do. And that means sacrificing what you need in order to be there for everybody else in your life. And while like you said, wired, it's not even like conditionally wired. It is absolutely, but it's also biologically ingrained in the female body uh, to just push through. You add conditioning to that and then you have 
so many people out there who are just struggling to exist and to find a moment in their day where they can breathe. When you are going constantly from one thing to the next thing and your body is trying to kill you at the same time, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the cycles that we go through. I'm talking about chronic stress leads to chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. And when you are burnt out and you keep running that tank empty and you never give it any kind of nourishment and you never give it a break, you're going to run a significantly higher risk of getting uh, whether it's chronic uh, pain or um, uh, heart disease or diabetes or whatnot, science or has proven diet. again and again. Or yes, absolutely, right. That I was, I guess, assuming that it goes hand in hand, right? When you're running your fuel that empty all the time. And and I think it's really important to talk about the fact that, like, when I hear the word burnout, I think work professional life but one of the things this book burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle gets at is that you can be burnt out on anything like you can be burnt out on giving everything to your friends and family you can be burnt out by you know being the primary caretaker for uh, a child or an aging parent you can be burnt out on your hobbies or you could be burnt out on work. And the reality is when, when you are feeling truly burnt out, it's not, chances are, it's not just coming from one of those realms. It's coming from everything because, uh, I think, I think most people in this day and age wear a lot of hats day to day. But I actually, I, I can't help but think that women wear, you know, extra hats and fascinators and maybe even like a nice little beret on top of it because, <laughs> because that's, because, because women are, are, are conditioned at some level to be human givers, you know? So when you're feeling burnt out, even just a little bit across the board, those little bits add up. Absolutely. And human givers, you know, I, I thought of it as prior to reading this book as just like you're, you're wired to give of yourself more than maybe the average person. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, when reading this and getting into the nitty gritty of what the human giver syndrome actually looks like and what that manifests within ourselves as, I was completely blown away because my entire life I have been a server of people. And I don't mean in the, please, uh, please, may I have some more nourishment and I need to, I need to perform and I need to get your approval. I just mean in general, I have a personality where, you know, mm -hmm. if somebody's in a meeting and they're missing a cocktail hour, I'm going to bring them a glass of wine for them while they're in their meeting. Mm -hmm. Or uh, if somebody gets injured, I'm going to be the first person that gets them ice. And it's just a, a personality. Well, what I thought was a personality mm -hmm. uh, of myself. Uh, but then when I was reading this book and learning how it's, it's like a conditioning thing. Biology plays a part, mm -hmm. but it's so much more than that. And we, I hadn't even questioned it. I was just like, this is who I am. And getting into how it's not necessarily my choice that I am that way. Uh, it, it was mind blowing. And I'm still questioning like how much of, my giving personality is from me and how much of it has been conditioned by my environment from growing up and from what I have now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we need to define human giver syndrome. Um, but before we even do that, I think this gives you like a pretty clear snapshot. Um, there's a line in the book that says, 
Human givers must, at all times, be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others, which means they must never be ugly, angry, upset, ambitious, or attentive to their own needs. So human giver syndrome isn't just giving to other people. There's an element of chronically backburnering your needs and the things that you need to do and the things that are totally natural and organic. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, but it, but at some point every day, I, I accept that I will be ugly, angry, upset, ambitious, or attentive to my own needs at some point during the day, every day. But as a human giver, I'm expected to, to not, to just be sort of placid and giving as opposed to asking, and I guess sometimes taking the things that I need most. When you put words to it, it's like, no, that can't happen. That's, that's messed up. Well, but. And I think. You know, this is called on the flip side because, you know, well, as much as Amanda and I can agree on things, we are built very, very differently. I think anybody who knows us would look at both me and Amanda and say, oh, well, the human giver is Amanda in, in a way that I, I ask for what I need. I frequently demand it and... That is one of the hardest things I've had to learn to do because my, my instinct is to say, oh, I'm sorry and give you whatever it is you want. You know, the fact that, that you wouldn't look at me and think, oh, that's a person I'd like to think that's a person who's sacrificing herself for the quote unquote greater good. But the reality is I still am. I mean, this is a this is a pretty pervasive thing that women and folks who identify as women specifically are dealing with constantly. It's not just when we are doing acts of service, existing in the world, going to the grocery store, running a meeting, you know, eating out. Where else do we go? parks and lakes and we're we're expected to and i and i and i say this not like everyone out there is like women need to back down but like there's something fundamental in our culture that expects women to demure well i think to put it even more bluntly like to have our shit together all the time and it's ugly if we don't. And it's weak if we decide to choose to rest instead of doing all the things and being everything for everybody else. All the time. All the time. And, you know, the previous comments I made about hearing this out loud is you'd think, well, no, that's messed up. It is messed up, but it's mm -hmm. also the reality of... Every woman I have ever talked to in depth, especially you, about the internal workings of what goes on. So I, I think, first of all, this book was brilliantly written. It was brilliantly framed. The, the authors are two sisters um, from very different backgrounds, and they have, they have a lot of experience between the two of them. The words that they chose to open this book, this is, this is the first line of the book, I think says it all. And it's, this is a book for any woman who has felt overwhelmed and exhausted by everything she has to do, and yet is still worried that she's not doing enough, which is every woman we know, including us. Like sit in that for a minute to feel overwhelmed and exhausted and like you're not doing enough 
when you're trying to do everything because that's what you're supposed to be doing, it's exhausting. It's an, it's it's actual it's actually crazy. It's 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 insane. <laughs> And the great thing is it's accurate and it's based in science. Um, we are chronically unhealthy in our willingness to give. Mm -hmm. And as a note, Lindsay nor I are of the mindset that it should, that women should all of a sudden just say, nope, I'm not doing that. And I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, put myself out there and I'm not going to strive and I'm not going to work hard and that type of thing. And I'm going to get all of the benefits for not doing. That's not mm -hmm. at all what we're saying as much as the burnout is a very real thing that so much of us deal with and don't talk about. And we are all struggling with something, everybody. But this is something that we can work together to better help each other with would you go so far as to say it's a pandemic <laughs> i am serious though like <laughs> everyone is suffering from the same shit this is this is like mental constant covid19 this is like living every moment in crisis so nothing Nothing is actually a crisis. There are no emergencies if everything's an emergency, which is part of the reason that I think people don't talk about it because it's, I mean, at least among my peers, which is to say generally type A gorgeous women, like we are all so driven. I just assume that you're in back-to-back -back meetings for eight hours a day and then you're recording a podcast and then you're like taking care of the dogs and making supper and, and, and you're obviously exhausted, but so am I. So like, is it even worth talking about? And that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, and they, they get into it in the book a little bit, but it really does lead to like further isolation and shame and, you know, while you might be doing everything, the feeling of not doing enough. Like, I I know that I've only made progress in this arena when I've sat down with you or another girlfriend and basically had a mirror held up, you know, because hearing you say that you are exhausted and overwhelmed and it feels like your body's trying to kill you. I'm like, my friend doesn't deserve that. You're doing amazing things. God, like you're running a company and you're enrolled at Duke medical school. Like there's no world where you aren't doing enough in your, in your free time. You've started gardening, container gardening, in fact, like, and, and the fact that you can still feel like you're not doing enough, it's, it, it really does hold up a mirror. So I think, a, I think a big part of that is our consistent negativity toward ourselves. Um, it may come from our environment. It may come from our conditioning, schooling, peers, uh, coworkers, bosses. It may come from other areas, but the moment that we start internalizing self judgment and shame and expectations and really being our own worst enemy in our head is the moment that we stop taking care of ourselves because why would we, why do we deserve it? right? We're still not doing enough. We can never do enough, right? We're striving for perfection. We're striving for something that is doomed to fail because nobody on the planet is perfect and we're still striving for it. And that leads to burnout. And still, even with being burnt out, even knowing that you're burnt out, even having somebody next to you that says, girl, you're burnt out, right? Take a break, take a vacation. Most of the time we don't. 
We push through. I just was leafing through the book and really what the authors say is that the core issue here is stress. We feel it and we don't deal with it. So like dealing with your stress is a different process with is a different process from dealing with the things that cause your stress. So like I am up against a deadline right now and I know that the second I submit the project, the stressor will be handled. It won't exist anymore. It will be done. But your body doesn't understand deadlines. Like your body doesn't think I'm going to hold all of this stress in my neck and my back and you're going to feel terrible. And then as soon as you turn this thing in, as soon as you get it to your client, you're going to feel fine because it's over. That's not how your body works. Your body understands, as they put it in the book, body language. So like this deadline, uh, it's a stressor. It's what's activating uh, the stress response in my body, which really affects the whole body. I mean, they say that uh, heart disease is one of the biggest killers of, well, everyone, but also especially women um, in this country. And that so much of it is caused by stress because mm-hmm. your body is entering a stress cycle when it, when it, encounters a stressor uh it's not it's not getting to complete the cycle i feel like i'm butchering this well i think a a good additional example to this you know because we all have so much experience in the uh wildlife areas but if you were a zebra uh and you're being chased by a lion Mm -hmm you're going to be quite stressed out. You're going to be in the hyper arousal, which is to say the fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be trying everything. Uh, Science is going to intervene in your body. Your digestion is going to stop and it's going to send all of your uh, blood and all of your energies to just surviving. Right. And so that's what happens when we are dealing with a stressor and dealing with stress is that we are going into those uh, hyper arousal states in our nervous system. So we are just trying to survive. And then if, you know, some hunter comes and kills the lion and the zebra is fine, the stressor may be gone, but the stress is still there, right? Yeah. It's It doesn't go away immediately. The nervous system is wired to make sure that you are absolutely okay before it will relax and before it will let you just get away from the stress that your body is feeling and be able to come back into your window of tolerance which is no uh which is where your nervous system is no longer in fight or flight or freeze mode Mm -hmm. i want to get into freeze in a little bit but before we get there Let's talk about getting stuck in the stress cycle. So real world lion and zebra and hunter, lion deadline, zebra, me. I don't look that great in stripes though. Hunter, what would be the hunter in this case? The thing that resolves it. So me. Hey, you're, you're, you're there. Um, the issue with stress is not that we feel it. Stress is not necessarily a bad thing. What's bad is when our ability to process the stress is outpaced by the amount of stress we're feeling. Right. Um, and that happens. I, I think of it as like a, at some level when it comes to like chronic stress, which is the first reason we get burnt out. It's like, okay, you dealt with this thing, but then another zebra or another lion's coming along, right? Like if it's just lion after lion after lion, you're living in fight or flight. Um, And it's just, it's just constant. So again, when everything's an emergency, your brain is just on fire all the time. 
Um, the second one is my favorite, least favorite, uh, because I think it is bullshit. Um, and it's social appropriateness, you know, everything in you is saying run. Everything in you is saying escape, help, get away, get away, get away. But because there's someone else in the room, you can't do what your body needs. Because you're trying to be nice and calm and giving and placid. And you're sitting there with a client and he's being an asshole. Well, you can't just get up and walk away. He's your client. You owe him something, right? He's paying you. Your body doesn't know that. Only your mind does. And then my other favorite, least favorite of the three. So there's two that I really don't like. Sometimes it's safer. And that that's something that like makes me crazy. That that well while your instinct may be to tell your jerky client to go kick rocks climb a tree and go away you are aware that you have a mortgage or rent and food and animals and children and responsibilities you need that money so instead of putting him in his place or frankly dumping him as a client you say okay i'm just going to i'm going to suck it up now and I will deal with this later, but the reality is you never deal with it. And that's how you get burnt out. It's because you're not completing a stress cycle or realistically, probably a few dozen stress cycles. <laughs> and what individual you know, doesn't deal with some form of the client that you're mentioning um, in their day-to-day -day life, right? We all have our things that stress us out. And what we tend to do is form automatic responses. We go on autopilot. We have those habits that have worked for us before to protect ourselves and to reduce the stress that we incur and the damage that we feel by whatever is happening. And so we just kind of put ourselves in that, that safety net and how it transpires is then we don't come out of it because we are trying so hard to protect ourselves that we then, we just kind of like shove it under the bed or, um, you know, we may bring it out just a little bit later, but usually, at least from my experience, by the time I'm ready to uh, come out of that shell, um, kind of picturing like an armadillo here. Um, <laughs> I'm on board. I'm fully on board. Uh, once you're ready to like unravel yourself just a little bit and let yourself breathe and let yourself process it, whatever it is, whether it's something small or something big, um, something else happens that you then roll yourself back into this safety ball to make sure that you don't incur any more damage. And so what, what happens when we permanently do that? So what you're saying is we have a backlog of tickets, of stress tickets we've never gotten to, which by the way, just elicited a stress response from me. My body just went Bleh. <laughs> Nope. Your body makes the greatest noises. Yeah. 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 I I don't know where they come from. <laughs> <laughs> sound effects. Uh, the yeah. the original soundtrack. Oh, I was gonna say we we pay our producer and editor an insane amount of money to to give me good sound effects. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah, her. Um, her is me, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's important to note, though, like your armadillo, 
the only way out of a stress cycle is through it. Like if you are perpetually curling back up into your safety ball, you're not actually doing any of the things that are countering the fight or flight or the freeze. And the freeze, I'm not kidding. I was reading this book and the first lines that I've already read to you, I was like, this is going to be groundbreaking. Page 11. I got to page 11 before they named a concept that I've experienced a thousand gajillion times and didn't know there was a word for it. And frankly, at some level, didn't know that anybody else also experienced it. And that is the freeze. So uh, they start off right up front. They're like, the freeze is special. Basically, your brain, there, there's a stressor, there's a whatever. Your brain is like, should I fight or flight? And then you realize, subconsciously, your brain realizes, you're not actually thinking this, most likely, that you're probably too small to fight, you're too slow to run. And so your best bet is to play dead until it's over. And I know this feeling. It's, frankly, it's waking up on most Monday mornings, checking my email and thinking, I have a hundred things to do this week and I can't get started. Like it's part of the reason that I am so active with my lists and my weekly sprints and my daily task lists um, and keeping up with them because with without them, when I look at what's on my plate, I, I freeze. And it's interesting that it's sort of a last ditch effort to survive. And that just brings me back to like how many un, how many incomplete stress cycles are just sitting in my body and like, how do I start? <laughs> let's, let's turn my stress list into another list that I have to attack. Like, how do I start mm -hmm. getting rid of those? You know, uh, once last year I was talking to my therapist and I said, can you please give me homework for doing less? Mm -hmm. And she laughed her ass off at me and I had no response outside of to think, well, that sounds really ridiculous. Um, I ask my therapist for homework every week. This is like, we end it by confirming the next week's appointment. And then I ask for homework. And at first my therapist, I mean, I've had therapists in the past who will like give you homework and say, you need to practice this skill. My homework every week has just, I'm not kidding, been to sit in it, sit in the conversation, mm -hmm. sit in the feelings, let it marinate. Don't freeze. Don't fight. Don't flight. Just meditate on it. Consider it. Pick it up like that Rubik's cube I like so much and look at it from every angle because because the only way out is through. My homework has been sit down get comfortable. And yeah, homework from a therapist sounds crazy, but it's also one of my favorite things. I said, I have a type. Type A, <laughs> driven, successful, stunning women with great hair. <laughs> All that to say, we are, I mean, I don't know about you, but it has taken me a long time to be willing or able to just sit with my thoughts and do that marinating. 
And I think a big part of it isn't necessarily freeze, but it's, it's that protection. It's that, well, I have so many other things to do. Why would I do this? It's just going to open up wounds. Um, but like you said, the only way to get through it is to go through it. Um, and, you know, that brings us to a very important part of burnout, which is how do we process through the stress? How do we complete the stress cycle? Body language, baby. You got to speak the <laughs> body's language. I'm serious. <laughs> I, you, have, you have to give the body what it needs in order to heal. Body language. Yeah, but a lot so, of these things you, you wouldn't even think are that help the body heal. At least um, for someone out of shape. <laughs> um, okay, well then for someone out of shape or not, you know, one of the first things, I, well, no, not one of, the first thing under the heading of ways to complete the cycle in this book, the first one is breathing. Just breathing. Just deep, slow breaths to down-regulate the stress response. You are noticing something's going on with your body. And you are giving it a second to regulate. So one of the things they talk about in the book a lot is that like your body language is a very physical thing. Your body doesn't understand filing your taxes. Your body understands going for a run, right? Well, my body doesn't, but a lot of people's do. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I mean that in quotes. <laughs> the, 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 the theoretical going for a run. <laughs> ah, okay. Like if I'm running, there's a bear chasing me. <laughs> oh, it's a literal fight or flight response. Although I have to say, if there's a bear chasing me, I think I'm too weak. <laughs> to fight and too, too slow to run. I think I would just play dead. Channel armadillo. Yeah, armadillo mode. Um, but even, even beyond like the, uh, the working out exercise way um, of battling this, there's like positive social interaction. You know what that does? Gives your brain a hit of oxytocin. That's happy. That's the happy drug. When you're getting a hit of that, your brain is more focused on what's going, the, the good stuff, not the bad stuff. Um, similarly, affection. And it doesn't even have to be romantic affection. You can be affectionate and loving with a friend and like have a chat and a cup of tea and that's going to help you work through the stress cycle. And if you have a Which pet. Then... <laughs> oh my God. I have, a, I have a cat who is out cold in the fetal position beside me. <laughs> and if you were to start stroking said cat for a couple minutes, not only does it improve and increase the oxytocin in your brain, it also mm -hmm. improves your pet. They get the same hit. I mean, it's diff different, but they get the same rush of hormones uh, that increases bonding, relaxes the nervous system, all of that kind of thing. And it's just calming across the board. That's one of the reasons that they uh, give, uh, what are they? Service dogs to people. It's not just for the service that they provide of being able to help the blind, but they also, uh, can help individuals just calm themselves down and reduce the anxiety that is throughout our days. Mm -hmm. You know, I, this, this next one feels foreign to me. 
Um, but every, every one in my inner circle says this is the best. Um, a big old cry hmm. to complete the stress cycle. My body will do all of the things that bodies do when they cry, except no wets come out of my eyes. I'm not a crier. I'm not wired for it. I have nothing against it. I wish I could cry. Um, but the fact that giving yourself the space to process to cry works just as well as affection or going for a run. While it feels like an escalation, it's like just as solid and a lot less sweaty. You know, it's like a solo activity. So, Amanda, how do we know when we're done eating a meal, we know we're done because we're full. How do you know when you've completed the stress cycle? Well, that's a tricky question because I think, well, and what is stated in this book is you don't always know. Mm. Um, with, with things like creative expression, which is something you've forgotten, we've got to bring up. Um, <laughs> is a lot of times it's simply the act of getting your brain into a different space that allows your nervous system to come down when you are being affectionate, when you are, uh, doing something creative, when you're laughing, uh, and even to an extent when you're exercising, you are being pulled out of the constant narrative that your mind is telling you and putting you in a different environment. A lot of times with creative expression, you have to think differently. You use a part of your brain that you don't often, unless you're a very creative individual. Um, and not to say that organizing and making lists isn't creative, but it's a, it uses a different part of your brain than if you were to sit down and draw a picture or uh, grab some tools and build a bookshelf. You are pulled out of that. And like when you exercise, not only are you pulled out of it because you have to focus on what your body alignment is doing, especially if you're hypermobile or, you know, Lindsay, and uh, so that you don't fall apart or uh, trip or injure yourself, right? So you're focusing on self-preservation and then you get the, the dose of endorphins uh, that that are added from exercise and it allows your nervous system to reset and it may not happen immediately I know for me since I've reread this book and I've I've been focusing on completing the stress cycle for myself um, I've been more in tune to when it happens but generally speaking like the first time I read it and just the general feeling afterward is you don't always know. Sometimes it's later in the day. Sometimes it's uh, immediate. Sometimes you feel this like, oh, right. That, like that, that come down feeling um, and your body releases and it, it allows you to rest from the stress. In the book, they say, if anxiety starts, it ends. And if you let it, yeah it ends, but you, but you have to let it, you have to be aware of it, which does get to like a very, very good point, I think. Um, and it's practical and it's tactical and it sounds like a self-improvement, self-optimization thing. And I'm tired of, you know, even my mental health and happiness and well-being being a project like burnt out on that too but you need to build completing the stress cycle into into your day you you have to create space for you to take a step back whether it is running or dancing or painting or snuggling for a half hour like that is that is something that you have to be attentive to otherwise you end up with that backlog of incomplete cycles 
And of course, the the pending question is, well, how am I supposed to fit time in my day for yet another thing that I have to do that I'm going to feel overwhelmed by? It's it's Mm. just another thing on the list. And Mm -hmm. one of my latest reads uh, is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And a lot of what he says is basically around the idea that you may not feel like you have the time, but you have to make the time. And it's, it's hard to hear that. It's, it's hard to be like, I have to do yet another thing. Yeah. But the very real science based thing about this is that the moment that we start processing our stress whether we can deal with the stressor itself or not, the moment we take this space to let ourselves breathe or exercise or cuddle or have creative expression or laugh, I mean, just like big old laughter, right? We will feel better and we will be better able to handle the things that we have to face every day. I keep thinking about for a long time, I, when I wasn't in therapy, I, you know, living in New York is expensive. And for a long time, I thought, well, I can't afford therapy. I can't afford to have to regularly pay for one more thing. And frankly, an expensive thing. It got to the point that I realized that I could no longer afford to not pay for therapy. And I think processing your stress is really similar. Like you don't have time to add another thing to your plate, but by not doing it, you might not have time for an extra thing, but what you really don't have time for is the byproducts of not completing your stress cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah. You will feel better once you get into the habit of doing. You will feel better once you get into the habit of completing your stress cycle. So, like, build it into your day. Or, at the very least, listen to this podcast. (laughs) Think about it. Think of us as your stressed out type A friends with great hair Um, and read the too long didn't read at the end of each paragraph. Like one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, the authors, Emily and Amelia is that they break everything down in a way that reading this book doesn't feel like another thing you have to do. It's like, there's one, two, three, there's four, four things where if you didn't want to read the last 30 pages, fine, just read these four bullets and you will get the gist of everything we've just said. I think the most important thing I took from this chapter is that burnout is a physical experience. I'm not crazy for feeling exhausted it's a physical thing and that I, that I can't afford to not deal with it because it's only going to grow. It's only going to get worse. This is an important book, man. Their last statement of this chapter uh, and the last bullet point, wellness is the freedom to move fluidly through the cycles of being human. Wellness is thus not a state of being It is a state of action, which really speaks to what you were saying. We don't have time not to do it because our body is going to manifest everything we're going through now and it's going to hit us later. For my spoony friends, it hits a lot faster. Like if we, if we do something now that impacts our body, whether it's emotional or physical, We basically have to deal with the side effects immediately. And that's one of the reasons that this book was so powerful to me 
is because most people or supposed healthy people aren't as healthy as they think they are because they are storing up for themselves a whole lifetime of chronic stress and hurt and pain. And if we don't go through the cycle of completing the stress and letting our body rest, right? Not going to bed thinking about all of the issues that we uh, have or the long list of things that we've got to get done and feeling so inadequate all the time. If we avoid that process, we're going to be facing so much more hurt and stress and pain later. Yeah, taking that 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes now to deal with it, to deal with the stress cycle, the physical side of things is going to save you so much time and effort in the long run. Stress is malignant. It will kill you. So it's up to you if you if you decide to face it head on through little bites or if you end up having to eat the whale all at once years down the line. On the flip side, stress will kill you. <laughs> on the stress side. On the stress side. <laughs> or you'll be eaten oh. by a whale. Or you'll be eaten by a whale or a lion or a and lion. you'll be wearing stripes. <laughs> Did you know that zebras are always pregnant? That's why they're so what? mean. Yeah. Zebras are always pregnant. Like they, they have a, a child, a baby zebra and then, or by baby lion, depending on the day. And then they just spend their life getting re-pregnant and popping out more babies. That's why they're so angry all the time. I don't like it. No. That is burnout. <laughs> when you said always pregnant, I was like, wait, are are they like starfish? Can they just re-impregnate themselves? Like, is it just a constant cycle? No. Apparently other, other affections have to happen. <laughs> I'm losing my mind because I'm burnt out. <laughs> so welcome back to on the flip side we are Lindsay and amanda we are going through burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle uh we hope you're along for this ride with us and yeah take care of yourself <laughs> you deserve it <laughs>